Welcome to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Dick Sporting Goods Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. Excited to welcome back onto the program, Dr. Amy Bender, Director of Sleep Science at Cerebra. Dr. Bender, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And we're excited to have Dr. Bender back on. She is our sleep expert, and we're going to be talking everything sleepy, naps, and all that other fun stuff. Um, First thing we want to go ahead and dive right into, um, obviously, we're in the winter period where, uh, thankfully, the days are getting a little bit longer. Thankfully, each and every day, a little bit longer. I always look forward to the winter solstice because I know that's my turning point and everything starts getting better from there. Um, How does that lack of daylight that we have during this time of year affect our sleep? The winter solstice is actually one of my favorite days as well (laughs) because it's all downhill from there. Um, You know, it really does impact our circadian rhythms. So that's the main driver for our circadian rhythms. There are two main processes that regulate our sleep. Kind of how long you've been awake is one process, but circadian rhythms is another process, and that is regulated by light. So if we're not um, getting much light during the day, it's going to be difficult for our body to determine when we should be awake and when we should be asleep. And an example of this is I changed office areas to where I wasn't getting as much light. And when I did that, I had a really busy work week and I wasn't getting outside in the morning. I wasn't taking my dog for a walk. And I just felt my energy dropped. I felt even more anxious as well. So light plays a role in mental health. Um, so it's really important that we try try and get outside because it's just so much brighter than our indoor lighting in the morning and in the daylight hours. And then as we approach bedtime, two to three hours before bedtime, we want to kind of start to reduce our light because light tells our brain to wake up and it it regulates our melatonin. So if we're getting a huge dose of light right before bedtime, it's gonna reduce our melatonin, that sleepiness hormone, and it's gonna tell our brain to be awake. Yeah, light is so important this time of year. Get outside and and uh, get that sunshine on your face and uh, just enjoy it. Um, now, now, obviously, you know, we have times and we have days, sometimes stretches of days where uh, we have, you know, we wake up in the middle of the night and try to get back to sleep as quickly as we can. Uh, what are some tips uh, that you have for our athletes in getting back to sleep in the middle of the night? What should they do? Well, I have a middle of the night routine where, um, you know, I have young kids, they might wake me up during the middle of the night. I may be stressed out where I might wake up in the middle of the night, you know, there could be a sound or something like that. So it's common for people to wake up during the middle of the night, but it's about what strategies do you have to help you get back to sleep? So for me, I have a middle of the night routine where if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll do a relaxing breathing activity to help activate the parasympathetic nervous system. 
And so for me, I'll do four, seven, eight breathing, where I'll breathe in for four seconds, hold my breath for seven seconds and breathe out for eight seconds. And I repeat that four times. And what that does is it helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system, that relaxation system. And the key point there is that you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in. So those exhales need to be longer to help activate the system. And after that, I'll then do a cognitive technique. So I really like the cognitive shuffle. It's where you can think of a word such as bedtime. You imagine all the objects that you can, starting with the first letter. So B, ball, baby, bus, banana. Just imagine those objects and then move on to the next letter when you can't think of any more. So E, eagle, egg, ear. And by the time you get to the, to the end of the word, hopefully you'll be sound asleep. But there are times where, you know, I try the breathing technique, I try the cognitive technique, and I'm still awake. So in that instance, you want to get up out of bed and only return back to bed when you're sleepy. So you want to get up out of bed, maybe read a book, take a bath, do something relaxing, and then only return back to bed when you're sleepy because we don't want to start associating our bed with being awake. So we don't want to be laying awake in our bed for long periods of time, because then we're going to start to think, oh, well, maybe I should be awake um, in my bed. So those are kind of my, that's my three tips for the middle of the night routine. Excellent. Great stuff. Um, you recently co-authored an article as a guide to improving sleep in athletes. Uh, you had it on Twitter. That's where I discovered it. Uh, can you just give us, I, mean, I, I know that there's a lot of information packed into that article. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what that article was about? Absolutely. So uh, that article, so it was really focused on kind of finding, uh, sorry, five main strategies as a practitioner that you can do to work with athletes uh, as it relates to sleep. And so the first one was educating athletes about the importance of sleep. So how sleep can impact performance, how sleep can impact health. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of myths. So it's really important that we get that good information to our athletes about quantity, quality, and timing of sleep, for example. So educating is kind of that first step to try and get buy-in for those athletes. And then our second strategy was related to screening athletes for sleep problems. So what, what's not measured can't be managed. So we have to be able to measure, does this athlete actually have a sleep problem where we need to get them help? And so there's tools like the Athlete Sleep Screening Questionnaire, which I helped develop. It's freely available online where you can take a sleep questionnaire and then determine, okay, it looks like I'm good. I don't need to go see a sleep specialist or, you know, there may be a moderate to severe issue here where I need to get help. So that was kind of the second strategy. And then the third strategy was focusing on napping. So a lot of times you can't get enough sleep at night, you know, especially for, let's say, a swimmer who might have early morning training um, and they may not be able to go to bed early enough because of their circadian rhythms. And so adding in a nap opportunity is a way to increase sleep across the week, um, you know, and be able to get more of that sleep opportunity. So sleep can occur during the day. 
And we just want to make sure that we're not taking a nap too close to bedtime, that we don't have a long nap opportunity. Um, you know, we want to cap it at 90 minutes if possible. So that was the third strategy. And then the fourth strategy was related to banking sleep for better performance. So if you're approaching a playoff, like important competition, we want to get more sleep leading into that competition so that you'll perform better during that competition. And a lot of times, you know, you may have uh, pre-sleep anxiety, you have a big game the next day, you may not sleep as well, but if you can get good sleep in the week before leading up to that event, it's going to be beneficial. And then that third, uh, third tip that we stressed in this article, which hopefully we can post in the show notes, um, is to prepare for sleep. So having a good pre-sleep routine, putting away those electronic devices, um, doing some breathing techniques, like I mentioned before, um, taking a warm bath or shower, which is shown to help you fall asleep quicker, maybe even writing a to-do list before bedtime to kind of offload those thoughts. So having a good pre-sleep routine will help when you're at home, It'll help when you're traveling on the road and just help you get um, into a good routine when it comes to your sleep. Yeah, we'll make sure to definitely include a link to that uh, that article so that folks can check out and uh, get more context into what you had just had mentioned there in your answer. We're talking with Dr. Amy Bender, Director of Sleep Science at Cereba, our sleep expert. Um Athletes need to really understand blue light, and I think we don't understand it as well as we should. Can you give us the basics of what we need to know about blue light? Yes. So um, I saw recently a post on LinkedIn where someone was wearing um, blue light blocking glasses during the middle of the day. So they were wearing uh, orange colored glasses, which helps block out blue light but they're wearing it during the middle of the day. And that can be an issue because, you know, we need that light for to regulate our circadian rhythms during the day. And so that would be an instance where we would wanna wear these blue light blocking glasses two to three hours before bedtime um, because it's gonna block that blue light, which our circadian rhythms are most sensitive to. And so that's, we don't want that blue light at night. The sun, you know, back in the day when we didn't have electricity, uh, our rhythms were based on the sun. And so when that sun is set, you know, now we have artificial light. We can, um, you know, have light at any time of day, even in the middle of the night. And so it's really important that we um, try and reduce that blue light at night and increase that blue light um, during the day. What are some of the recommendations that you have to help eliminate that blue light exposure in your life? Because you had mentioned, and I know we've talked about this before, that there are blue mm -hmm. light glasses out there, um, but there are some differences in those blue light glasses, especially you said the tinted lenses were better. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Okay, so there's a couple ways that we can reduce blue light. Um, number one are those apps. So there's apps such as um, Night Shift, Flux, Twilight. There's a bunch of apps where we can um, reduce the blue light from our devices, from our laptops, from our cell phones. 
as it even even as precise to where when the sun sets, it can start reducing that blue light. So that's an option for people. Um, just reducing light, uh, so turning off bright overhead lights, you know, as you're approaching bedtime can be a strategy. And then these blue light blocking glasses are are great as well. And I'm talking about the 99% blue light blocking, which are the dark orange, you know, red tinted glasses. Now there's also, um, as there, there's blue light reducing glasses that you might wear during the day that could protect you from, you know, all this blue light exposure coming from your laptop. So if you're, you know, working all day, eight hours a day, nine hours a day. Um, in those instances, sometimes people like the blue light reducing, but they're only, you know, I don't know the exact percentage, but they're probably 10% or less blue light. Um, and, but if we're, you know, wearing those constantly, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice to get that blue light exposure during the day, as I mentioned before. Um, so you might use it at the computer or something like that, but making sure that you're getting outside, taking a walk, those kind of things where you're not wearing um, the blue light reducing would be would be useful because it's going to help uh, regulate your circadian rhythms better. Yeah, I think those blue light glasses uh, can certainly help. I know my daughter went out and uh, got a pair and it's reduced her level of headaches that she gets um, when uh, she's having to work, you know, in the late afternoon evenings on the laptop or watching mm -hmm. TV or playing video games or on her phone or whatever. So good, good advice there. Uh, Dr. Bender uh, obviously is a great follow on social media. That's where we discovered her a number of years ago and we keep up with everything that she's doing, especially her amazing adventure of all the great places that she goes. She posts a lot of great <laughs> photographs and stuff like that. Where can people find you on social media? I am at Sleep for Sport. So I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. I also have a website, sleepintowin.com. And then um, you can check out my work too at cerebra.health. Awesome. Sounds great. Dr. Bender, thank you so much for coming back on the program. We appreciate all your knowledge and your expertise. Thanks so much for having me. Until, until we meet again, Marcus. Sounds great. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope we provided some information for you today. And if we did, make sure you tell everybody you know about our program. You can follow us on our social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for us at WV Soccer. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.